Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. We're live, live with the Lark Cats on the Lark Cast with a plus one, a new addition over the last couple of years to the Lark Cats. Got Jameson here on on the podcast with me. What's up, dude? Not too much is up. I've never been called a cat before, but man, that's <laughs> we're just uh, doing our best, man, to bring back a very a very good phrase, a very good phrase, man from. From the olden days, nice. When uh, when you would refer to somebody, man, as a cat, you know, like man, look at this sly cat. Which you know, it's let's just face it, man. When you're <laughs> when you're in ministry and your main goal is trying to get the actual uncensored, scandalous news of Jesus out to a world that's drowning in religion, you're gonna have to be a little sly at times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to learn some language. <laughs> you got to find something, man, because. As much as we talk about a love of grace, right, as humanity, this love of acceptance, man, and belonging and just the unconditional nature of it, it's crazy how up in arms we actually get about it, you know, especially when that that grace is extended to all the people out there that we think are the problem in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I think that's... <laughs> I think that's probably why you have Jesus showing up and declaring the greatest news this world's ever heard. And in the end, there's like three people, man, that are gathered around. Think about yeah. that. Yep. <laughs> the people... I know like in the ministry world, I was always told like, no, man, like the more popular it is, like, thank, like that's the, that's the evidence, man, that like, God's in this. Yes, and I'm like, right. uh, <laughs> seems like the total opposite in the scriptures. Like, yeah. Whenever God's really saying something, people run, they don't. <laughs> so anyhow i don't know why that makes me laugh so much but it does it's weird the freest people are like the most threatening people to be around <laughs> you're just like no yeah. get away from me don't I, you're no. you're not taking yourself very seriously here no man you better <laughs> bring some conditions into this thing bro i gotta gotta keep myself in the world in check <laughs> so on a serious note though tony is um Taking this week off, got a bunch of really cool stuff, man, that's happening in and around his neck of the woods. Um, and just to be totally honest, we thought we actually did this intentionally because we came upon John chapter 10, which is something we're continuing to unpack here on the large cast. And in the process, we were like, you know what? This thing is moving into a conversation that's like right in the wheelhouse of where Jameson lives. This is something, man, that you definitely have studied more than probably just about anyone I know. And it's something I know, man, that's very near and dear to your heart. So, dude, seriously, as a member of the team, man, thanks for taking the time. I know you got kids running around the basement right now, uh, four of them to be exact. (laughs) And so, yeah, man, for you to be able to just pull away and hop on here, amen. But really fast, before we get into this conversation, I just want to say, um, Two quick announcements. Number one, if you haven't signed up on the website yet, feel free to do that. You can do that at larksite.com. Scroll down to the bottom. You'll see a little area to drop your email. Promise you we won't 
send you any spam or we're not going to sell your information unless like some major like billion dollar benefactor comes along and offers us like an island in the crib. Yeah, with, without yeah. a doubt. Yep. Yeah. And, it, and if that ha- happens, we'll give you a heads up first. Um, but all that said, uh, we do like to drop uh, here and there um, just some free resources and just some updates of what's going on. And we've got a killer resource coming out soon. It is in the end zone right now called Reclaiming Worship. And man, you want to talk about a relevant topic, bro? <laughs> that is, oh man, like there's right so now. much good yep. news. Yeah. In what God's actually declared about this versus what we've all been told and sort of, I don't know, man pursued in the name of worship for so long let's just say you're going to want it and you can get that uh so anyways head over there drop us a email we'll add you to the list when that comes out and number two big shout out to the people who've been jumping in due to support this because seriously all these resources we're putting out the time we're traveling to spend with people the coaching the counseling this podcast it's all made available through a collective of generous givers and so just again, big shout out to everybody who's jumped in. We've got people who are like, man, I don't have much, but here's 10 bucks a month. And then of course there's people who are signing up who can do a lot more. Every dollar counts. So if you haven't had a chance to jump in to empower the spread of this good news and you feel led to do so, you can also do that right at larksite.com. Pretty simple. Just click on donate, go from there. Yep. Okay. Those announcements done. Jameson and Russ, John chapter 10. We're coming out of this conversation where Jesus is just making known who he is. He's healed a blind man. We see how that whole issue that's, you know, that's taken place. If you're new to this podcast, just back up a couple episodes. You can pick up right there. And that thing moves into this pushback, right? The religious leaders really just start coming for Jesus's jugular, man. And right, even this family and the guy that was healed, they booted him from the community, right? Because of what has happened. Like religion is a bitch, bro. Like there's just no way around it. And all that moves into this realm where Jesus starts to make known, like the difference between him and these religious leaders. He's like, man, I'm the good shepherd who lays down willfully his life for, right? His sheep, man. And they hear my voice. They know who I am and I'm speaking to the very, you know, the very core of humanity and the things that I'm saying. You, however, right, you sneak in. You have no intention of laying down your life for these people. You don't care about them. You're like my let's just be honest, like most like politicians at the end of the day, you know, church leaders, business leaders, ourselves. I'm just saying, like, put anybody you want in the camp. People who want power, man, dangerous, man. It's dangerous. And uh, we oftentimes come in the name of good and service to others, but ultimately we're usually just using people for our own fame and fortune. And Jesus is calling that out, man. And that's kind of where all that is now moved into this conversation we're about to get into right now. Yep. Um, it's kind of it's where it all picks up. But before we start reading a few of these verses, anything you want to add to that whole dichotomy between Jesus, the good shepherd versus the religious leaders who are claiming they're the shepherd, yet the people aren't following them. And they do have to sneak around and kill and destroy for their own fame. Yeah. I, the episode you guys did was, I'm not going to go all the way back into it, of course, but that passage about Jesus being the good shepherd is supposed to just be so, uh, so many red lights for the Jews and for the Jewish leadership um sirens are going off because 
Jesus is alluding to Ezekiel 34. And in Ezekiel 34, there is a harsh critique of the leaders of Israel uh, doing all of the things you just said, right? And at the beginning of John, you remember where Jesus says, the one who made you, you don't even recognize standing in front of you. (laughs) And that's the theme that carries through the whole gospel of John. John is showing us that Jesus is not just the Messiah, right? He is going through and fulfilling every element of what it meant to be the Messiah, the promised Messiah. He's he's checking all the boxes. He's like, I'm doing that. I fulfilled that. I'm this and I'm that. On top of that, Jesus is going further and saying, I'm one with the Father, which is what we're going to get into here. But you yeah. see him bringing these into one thing here, the good shepherd. And here's what I mean. So there's seven I am statements in the gospel of John, right? Uh, you have, I am the bread of life in John six thirty five. I am the light of the world, eight twelve. I am the door, which we just read in the beginning of this chapter. I am the good shepherd right here in verse 11. And then I am the resurrection and the life in eleven twenty five. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In fourteen six, and the last one is I am the true vine. In fifteen one, now if you write all of those down in order, you can make a little design called a chiasm. And the middle one, and a chiasm just means they associate. The first and the last are connected. The second and the second to last are also connected, and so on and so forth until you get one in the middle. That one mm-hmm. is the feature. Okay, a chiasm is a way of writing that emphasizes the main point well arguably if there's seven i am statements and john's writing with this chiastic structure i mean there's chiasms coming out your ears in the gospel of john the whole book is structured this way so the one in the middle the i am the good shepherd is the feature it's where the main spotlight is for john the author and what Mm -hmm. that's telling us is We really need to hone in here because Israel has had shepherds. They have had kings. They have had prophets. They have had Moses. They have had laws. They have had stories and narrative and wisdom, literature, everything. Right. The good shepherd is now here. And the good shepherd, good can mean beautiful, noble. Good is a bigger word than we have in our English uh, translations here. You have the shepherd of shepherds. (laughs) par excellence and he's claiming to be one with the father and so john's not being shy and this isn't lost on the current religious leaders because all they feel when they're hearing this is well we're the shepherds (laughs) we're educated more so than jesus we are have been around doing this for a long time so we've like gone through the system and made all the steps um so it's not lost on them that jesus is replacing them he's putting them out of their spiritual authority and religious job um we can't miss that in this text so that just happened in verse 22 it says at that time the festival of the dedication took place in jerusalem it was winter (laughs) so there's like a apparently a big shift in time between the verses you guys did last week and right. 
what we're talking about today, but the shepherding thing shows up in both. So it's linked and John's bringing these stories together for a reason. He's not like going chronologically per se, just for the sake of time. He's bringing themes together. So that's you wonder that just, lands us right here. And, you know, just to throw this in there, but you know, I know like we live in a, in a time right now where information, right. Is endless. It's at the tip of your fingers, you know, everyone and their mother has more access right, to information in the next five minutes, right. Than, than every generation past would have had in a lifetime. And so I've noticed over time that, especially over the last few years, I should say over time that different things can go on in, in society. And we're almost at a place now where even if something bad happens, people that are in positions that it would affect almost just go, it's okay. We'll just write it out because the next news cycle will drown it out. And, and so you kind of bounce from like topic to topic and theme to theme and everything seems so sporadic today uh, versus I wonder like when I'm looking at this gap of time here, they're picking right back up where they left off. So there hasn't been this news cycle times a hundred, right? that's happened in all these different places and different people and everything sort of drowned out everything that's been going on in regards to what Jesus has been declaring. Instead, that same bug in the, in the religious leaders, right? Minds, that same conversation, that same tension that's been going on. It's still going on. Yep. It hasn't gone anywhere. No new cycle came and drowned it out. And so John, right? Like, again, I know it's at the heart of everything he's saying, but, I just feel like that that's just important to note that, yeah, there's been some time here, but the same issue is still pressing. This yep. guy's claiming to be one with God. This is a problem. Yeah. And they, they almost play coy. Like it's like, he's not been clear and like, he's not just coming out and saying it because they ask him in this text right here. They're like, Hey, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And of course, as the reader, you're thinking back and you're remembering, well, John the Baptist said he was. Jesus cleared the temple and made it very clear <laughs> that he was. Right. And he fed 5,000 people, which is a trump card on Moses feeding people with bread miraculously. And he, I mean, we could go on and on. The, wo the woman at the well, the changing of water to wine, healing of the blind man yeah. on the Sabbath, and so on and so forth. And they're asking him again. <laughs> Like, just tell yeah. us plainly. They, you, you have to wonder, like, how, like, they're trying, why are they trying so hard to not see this? To not see it. Yeah. Because even if you back up a few verses, some of them are going like, it's a demon. It's a demon. Right. And, then, yeah, and, and the others in the crowd are going, it can't be a demon. What he's done is not anything that demons do. Yeah. This has to be divine. This is of God itself, you know? Mm -hmm. And but yet there's just like, no, no, you know, and just to be clear. Because I do think we have to make this known, man. Um, They didn't have they didn't have a um, they didn't have anything to stand on. They didn't have like a crutch to stand on, in a sense, in regards to the Messiah being one with God. OK, they they definitely had verses that were pointing to a coming Messiah and what he would come and accomplish, and they had all of that misinterpreted. But they didn't have any, you know anything within that that was you know that would inform them. Oh, by the way, when he shows up, it'll be God who became flesh. It shows up. 
Right. So you kind of get a sense of like, all right, I see where a little bit where they're coming from. But again, all those things that you've just mentioned, and yet you're still fighting it. It's like, come on, guys. Something's got to give, man. Yep. Eventually, either he's God or or you are. <laughs> right. And see how you're not too good at it. Maybe you should hear what he's trying to say. Yes. And this story just, it makes it plain and painfully so how religion insists on killing freedom, on murdering it, on obliterating it, you know, on erasing it. <laughs> Because yep. Jesus is showing up and he's proclaiming very good news, right? Yep. And they're hearing all of this as, man, if we can just get him to say it just right, we're going on record, he's blaspheming, we're going to kill him, then we'll be rid of him, then we can continue to control the narrative of how humans relate to God. That's That may not be how they said it. But that's what they're doing. That's what they're trying to do. That's why they're trying to preserve their own authority and their own sense of what is what is right and what is good. Meaning they see themselves as responsible for presenting themselves and their people that they lead or Israel as a nation. They're seeing themselves as responsible for presenting themselves to God as holy and blameless. And the one who came to say, you can't do that, so I'm going to do it for you. They're like, no, thanks. Um, that's what we have going on I've heard do that, bro. Right. Like popular, popular man, church leaders that I've heard stand on a stage and say, I'm just doing my best man to present myself and my congregation before the Lord, holy and blameless. Yeah. And they're sincere task. Very sincere. And probably sincerely believe that this is what they're supposed to be doing. And it is, yeah, and it's it's directly in line with exactly what the Pharisees are doing. Okay, well, keep going, man. So in Ezekiel 34, it says in verse 10, thus says the Lord God, I am against the shepherds. And I will hold them accountable for my sheep and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. I myself will search for my sheep and will sort them out. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, which is talking about Jesus. Yep. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. You got to read all of Ezekiel 34 because we don't have time to do it here. It's when you read it in connection to John chapter 10, all the lights are going to start going off. And I think you're going to, be troubled at first, but I think you're also going to be comforted. Like John chapter 10, if you hear one word coming out of this passage, it's comfort. Mm. Yeah, man. All right. So, so why? Go on, dude. Yeah. Go on and tell us why. Tell us why. Why is it be... comfort? Yep. Yeah. All right. So you got the Feast of Dedication, which is, I'll say this in 10 seconds. It's about Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a celebration uh, about the 400 years of silence right in the middle of that time. Uh, Israel regained control of Jerusalem. They started reestablishing the temple practices. The first one was let's relight the menorah candle. Well, they could only find enough oil to hold that thing going for one day. And in Exodus, what is it? Chapter 27, uh, 20, it says, and you shall command the sons of Israel that they bring you clear 
oil of beaten olives for the light to make a lamp burn continually. So they're like, we're going to start there because a resurgence of faith in Israel starts with the temple and the law of Moses. That's the way it always happened in the Old Testament. So they start doing it. Well, they only have enough oil for one day. So they light it. They start making new oil. It takes eight days and the lamp stays burning for all eight days. It's a miracle. God miraculously provides for this thing to burn. So that they can oil made. Yep. Yep. So they can do covenant faithful obedience. Well, that's John's context. He sets that context in our story. And we know from John, he's never accidental about where his events take place in this gospel. (laughs) It's also winter. I haven't connected the dots on that one. So in verse 23, Jesus was walking in the temple. Remember, he said he wasn't coming to this, right? Yep. Um, Or he wasn't coming to the previous one. Maybe that's the other one. Either way, Jesus is coming and he's lurking about in the portico of Solomon, which is like the big presentation area. This is where you can fit a lot of people and one person can address them and they can all hear. They don't have microphones, so they have to have special spaces for that. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. Whoa. Okay. There's Ezekiel 34 verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Remember what, if you haven't go back to the last episode where Russ talked about Russ, will you talked about sheep knowing one voice and being able to literally yeah. not hear everything else. Yep. Right. You can have 15 people talking in a room when their one shepherd says something, that's the one they follow. They just know. Yeah. Hundreds of sheep making noise too at the same time. And yeah. they'll hear, they'll hear it amidst all of that. It's, it's the sheep it's, superpower. <laughs> yeah, dude, it'll make the hair on your neck stand up, man. When you see it in person, it is, it's amazing. It's, it's wild. Yeah. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father, in regard to what he has given me, is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of the father's hand. The father and I are one. You want it plain? There it is. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the father. For which of these are you going to stone me? And he's got a great resume at this point of good things. Yeah. Verse 33, the Jews answered. And this, this is the, this is it, man. It is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy because you, though only a human are making yourself God. You're making yourself God. Okay. They can't take it. They can't swallow that. That's a pill that they are unwilling to even attempt to swallow. But Jesus takes it further. He says, is it not written in your law? I said, and here's the quotation. I said, you are gods. Okay. Jesus just quoted Psalm 82. You can check it out if you want. It's interesting. It's hard to understand because the scriptures seem to quote the scriptures and talk about them in ways that in Bible college, you are not taught. You're taught to not do it that way. Um, right. So Jesus is kind of, 
he's going outside of what I learned in my exegesis classes. Um, but it says there, you are gods talking to people. And Jesus is holding this against them for what they just said to him. If those to whom the word of God came were called gods and scripture can't be annulled. Can you say that the one whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming? Because I said, I am God's son. If I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. Easy, right? 38. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Then they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands. Dude. So good. Got to make a movie out of that scene. It's just. Yeah. The tension we need to go into here is all of like, why can't like Jesus being one with the father? Why is that such a big deal? And what does it mean? Why can't they handle it? Um, And here's one of the best ways that I want to say it. And this is in language. This is. I'm just going to say it. You can't argue human separation from God without, by definition, having to uphold that there's separation within the Trinity. Okay. So implications are. Yeah. Jesus. If Jesus is one with the father, then he is exposing a lie that we have built our entire religious life around the lie being separation, the lie being you have a role to play about making your union with God, real, true, actual applied. Um, For if you don't do these things, you will remain separated. Jesus' whole ministry, John's whole point is, no, that's not what it is. That's not true. Jesus came to show you what's really true about God and what's really true about you, and it's union. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think you're spot on, man. Like, uh, I like how you referenced it in the beginning of that statement just in regards to the Trinity. It's it's funny, man, to think that these guys are very well rooted in Moses's writings that make it extremely clear in Genesis that in the beginning, right? Let you know God like declares, "Let us make man in our our <laughs> again our image." You like right here, man. You start to see this plurality, right? Sort of plural nature, you could say, of a one then the oneness of God. That's a doctrine that we later write, people described and refer to as the Trinity, God, the father, God, the son, God, the spirit. And of course, the story of Jesus is the story of this God becoming flesh and dwelling among us for a variety of reasons that he's going to accomplish. But ultimately at the heart of all of them is to reconcile all of humanity back to himself. And in so doing, make it known that separation was always a myth. You might have lived dead to the reality in your unbelief, okay? But at no point in any in, in any of your existence to have you ever lived outside of the very person of God himself. Your being and your breath comes from him who is life. 
I don't want to get too much into it. We'll get there later on in John as we keep going through this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I, it's funny to me that all that said, it's just funny to me that these religious leaders who are so well rooted in that would have such an issue with like they're, they're grabbing on to all these miracles that he's doing that no human being can do, but yet can't seem to grab on to, well, the God who who made humanity in his image can't become human. Is this really what we're we're throwing all of this out the window over that? And I'm wondering if maybe just at the end of the day, it just boils down to if that's true, then everything they're standing on is done. It's done. They have they have no leg to stand on any longer. There is no us and them if you're the, in the religious leader crowd. There is no we're up here and they're down there. The whole ladder that we've constructed, right, that we've been climbing, this ladder that we've been leaning against the wall and, and pointing to and telling everybody how to climb, yeah, it's all irrelevant now. All the fame, all the fortune that we've been able to acquire from this, over, done. We're now just one of the many who are loved and cared for by the one and only one shepherd, the good shepherd, who came yep. and accomplished what none of us and none of our systems could ever accomplish. Yep. So in other words, you could take all of Jesus' teachings and all the miracles and you can try to, you can agree with them. You know what I mean? You can even point to them as some of them did and say, there's no way this is of the devil. This is divine. But the one thing you can't do if you want to maintain a sense of control is say Jesus is God who's become flesh. You you can't you cannot go there, man. You just can't. Yep. Yep. And I think of it this way. Actually, I learned this from Capen. He's got this story where he talks about um how to make sense of this. And he's like, so imagine I somebody hides a million dollars in crisp brand new bills under a flat rock in your yard, your backyard. Then tells you it's yours. <laughs> I don't want to see it mm-hmm. again. It's not mine anymore. No strings attached. If you trust that that's true, you're going to go looking for it <laughs> yep. and, and find it hopefully. Right. Yep. Well, the, the good news is that it's there and that it's yours and that there's nothing you have to do for it to be yours. All you have to do is trust that it's true and, and, and find it. Your mm-hmm. faith and your trust do not make it true that there is a million dollars under a flat rock in your backyard. Correct. The million dollars is the living God who's one as father, son, and spirit. The backyard is your life, Russ, (laughs) and me, and every person listening to this podcast. The living God is in you, and he has declared in Jesus an eternal embrace and a kind of withness that we cannot imagine, (laughs) and our religion actually teaches us to question and criticize and monetize and all kinds of things. 
guess what? Your faith doesn't make your being saved or being in Christ true. All that it can possibly do, and this is where Capon really just shines. He says, all your faith does is help you enjoy that it's true. <laughs> I love that. All your faith does is allow you to enjoy the reality. Yeah. You know, does it make it reality? Just allows you to enjoy what is real. Yeah, I saw a dude yesterday, man. He got 57,000 likes on a post that he was mm -hmm. doing about the things that we can do, three steps to, to grow closer to God, to become more like one with him. Right. And I'm looking at this thing going 56,000 likes over it's something that isn't even true. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, and of course he goes into this whole thing, you know, about like how, if we do this, well, then we're, we're so far from him, but if we do this, well, then we can move closer to him. And I'm going, how do you get any closer to someone that you exist in? <laughs> right. <laughs> your, your very being and breath is in him. Yeah. What are you talking about? You might be able to walk in things that lead to harmony in your life that naturally allow you to enjoy this, this reality of your oneness with God. Amen. I'm all for that. And you can do things, right, that really bring disharmony to that reality. But at no point do you ever exist outside of him. It's like the one thing that I found myself looking at in these verses, man, I'll just say this now. Whenever I go through like John, John chapter 10 with anybody, I just invite them to do one thing. Look at the verbs and look at who's doing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look right. at the verbs and look at who's doing them. Yep. It's so good, man. Right. Just I some know good them. old language arts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know them. I know them. I give them eternal life and they will not perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm -hmm. My father has given them to me. Right. Yep. And he is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Like, man, this, this is our reality. It's always been our reality. And again, we're not universalist here in the sense that we're saying like, oh, that's it. We're all, you know what I mean? We're all living this beautiful relationship with God Almighty. You know what I mean? Because let's just be honest. Like there's a lot of people in the world, man, who don't believe this and live as if they're, this isn't true. And they ignore the million dollars that's in their yard. <laughs> and our hope is, right? And we ourselves used to live that as well. And so naturally, our hope, man, is really just to encourage people to walk on this and encourage people to to grab on to this reality. But I, I firmly believe that it all starts with the understanding that uh, separation and the ladder that we're all looking for to get back and to get better and to achieve more and greater. Dude, it's it, it all sounds really sexy, and you can sell millions and millions of books about it. But it's a damn lie. Yeah. It's a lie. Yep. It offers us a sense of control. But it's a lie. So the whole thing's a myth. And control is always a contingency for faith. Yep. Control is the opposite of faith. It resists the uncertainty of faith. It yeah. resists the out of my handsness of faith right control is saying what adam and eve said in the garden it's i don't know that you're good and so i'm going to do some of my own stuff back here 
And in the best case scenario, we're doing that just in case we're wrong about God. <laughs> That's best yeah. case scenario, right? Yeah. Worst case, we're legitimately like, we're some of those kings that you find in the Old Testament who are like, let's just take on this God over here. We're going to do a smorgasbord of gods over here. You guys all come on in. We're going to have a party. We're going to have sex as worship with all the prostitutes in the temple. And it's going to be good. Like this is the good. And, yeah. and God's showing up and being like, you're, you're missing it. Yeah. You've been missing it all along. And Jesus comes to set the delusion straight. And he's like, I'm getting rid of it. And I'm here with you. I'm good. I'm noble. I'm beautiful. I'm your shepherd. And I'm the shepherd that none of your shepherds could have ever imagined being. And we'll find out more about why he's that good of a shepherd later in John. um, Because it's incredible. Yeah. And we're going to get there for sure. I just want to just invite everyone listening to just know that you're free to revel in this kind of a mystery. You, I mean, you really are free to just recline in this, this mystery, this, this goodness, this, this God who really did become flesh and make us one with himself, which we'll see later on, like how he brings all that about through his death and resurrection and what he makes known through his ascension and right. And so on and so forth. But it all starts with, I feel like this understanding of him, this oneness. And, uh, and that's just, that's just something to. It's just something to sing about, man. There's no other way to no other way to put it. It's, it's just something something you celebrate. It's not something you commit to. Yeah. So that's it. That's what we're gonna cheer to. We're gonna cheer to grace. Okay, what God has done, what God has revealed. Again, he it's him doing the verbs here. <laughs> yes. And the the invitation to celebrate this. That's how we learn it. That's how we grow in it, you could say. Yep. It's not a commitment. It's a celebration. Till next time. Cheers. Cheers.